I read the story a few years back, and it came to my mind as I was preparing the message today. And um, the title of this story is Whoever Takes the Sun. Many year, years ago, there was a very wealthy man who uh, shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works of uh, uh, Salvador Dali and Picasso, Monet, Van Gogh, all these different works adorned their walls of their family estate. As winter approached, war engulfed their nation, and uh, the young man left to serve the country. After only a few short weeks, the father got a, a telegram that said that his son had been killed in battle, and um, distraught and feeling very lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and with a lot of sadness. Uh, it seemed like that the joy of the season had just vanished with the death of his son. On Christmas morning, a knock came on the door, and it awakened the uh, old depressed man. And as he walked to the door, all the masterpieces of art uh, on the walls only reminded him of uh, the son, his son that would never come home. And as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. The soldier said, I'm sorry to to disturb you, but I was a friend of your son. In fact, I was the one he was saving whenever he got killed. May I come in for a few minutes? I have something that I'd like to show you. The soldier mentioned to the man as they sat and, and talked that he was an artist, and uh, then he gave the old man the package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would maybe never call it a masterpiece or think that it was uh, worth anything. Uh, the painting really featured the young man's facial features uh, with striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the old man hung, his, hung the portrait over the, the fireplace, uh, pushing aside millions of dollars worth of, of art that, uh, that was hanging around there. Then he sat back in his chair and he spent the Christmas just gazing at the gift that he had been given. The painting of his son soon became the most prized possession. Uh, it far eclipsed all of the other uh, paintings and masterpieces that he had there. Um, and you know, museums around the world clamored for the art that the, the old man had in his home. The following spring, the old man died. And according to the will that he left, all the art would be auctioned on Christmas day the day that he had received his greatest gift, the portrait of his son, art collectors around the world were waiting for Christmas. After months of anticipation, Christmas arrived and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with a painting that was not on anyone's auction museum list. In fact, it was the painting of the old man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room grew silent. Who will give, start the bidding off with $100? Who will give $100? Who will give $100? No one spoke. Finally, someone said, who cares about the, that painting? It's just a picture of the, of the son. Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, I'm sorry, but we have to sell this one first. Now, who'll take the sun? Finally, a neighbor who had come by 
responded and said, I'll give $10. That's all I have. But I knew the boy, so I'd, I'd really like to have it. The auctioneer asked if there was any other bids. Going once, going twice, the gavel came down. Cheers filled the room, and some exclaimed, now we can bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked at the room filled with people and announced that uh, the auction was concluded. He said, this concludes our auction today. Everyone sat stunned. And someone spoke up and said, what do, what do you mean it's over? Uh, we came here to bid on, some, on these masterpieces. And uh, we didn't come here to, to, uh, to bid on a painting of, a, of someone's son. There's millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? Uh, that's what we've been waiting for. The auctioneer replied, well, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. And you know, that's the message that we have. Whoever gets, takes the Son gets it all. Amen. You know, Christian, uh, Christmas is often associated with a time of waiting. You know, everyone waited for that Christmas day. And they had expectations of fortunes to be made. You know, we have a lot of different expectations of, of what's going to serve us, what's going to please us, what we want. And um, let me ask you a question. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Uh, are you longing for something? What are you expecting? You know, are you looking forward to anything special this Christmas? I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses beginning verse 25, but in the Gospel of Luke, in the second chapter, uh, we come across two characters who make their appearance in the final acts of this Christmas drama. One is a man named Simeon, and the other is a woman named Anna. You know, they don't appear in any nativity scenes around. They, they don't, they're not on any Christmas postcards. Um, you know, both of these individuals were waiting for something. Actually, they were waiting for someone. Uh, and uh, because of that, they experienced a miracle that Christmas, that first Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, reading from the New International Version, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was, a righteous, and, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now in this passage, Luke uses a, a Greek word of anticipation. There in verse 25, where the word says he was waiting. And that identifies Simeon as, as um, waiting with expectation. Waiting. You know, in the King James, in Isaiah it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait there is hope, or, which means earnest expectation for good. Expecting, earnestly expecting something good to happen. It meant really in this case, expecting the coming of the Messiah. Expecting the Messiah to show up and take care of it all. Earnest expectation. In verse 38, if you look on there, he was, he, uh, Luke used the same Greek word to describe this woman named Anna and it says that she was looking forward to. Same thing, looking forward to. It literally means alert to his appearance, meaning the Messiah's appearance. Alert to the Messiah's appearance. 
ready to welcome him. Looking forward to him, ready to welcome him. I thought about that. How many of us are ready to welcome Jesus? Every day, really, is the way that should be our attitude. Every day we should be ready to welcome the Messiah. What are you waiting for this, Christian, this Christmas? Waiting for Christmas. How about ready to welcome the Messiah? That ought to be our expectation. That ought to change our life so that we then, in turn, begin to maybe let it shine out something different to the people that are around us. Um, in, in Luke 2, 38, uh, again, he uses that, that phrase, that Greek phrase for looking forward to. And again, it literally means ready to welcome him, alert to his appearance, alert to his appearance. Waiting, waiting, alert to his appearance. How many of you could honestly say, and I'll not, I'll not have you raise your hand, but that you have this expectation that you, and you, that means that you are alert to his appearance. How about this Christmas? Alert to his appearance. Simeon, we saw, he was waiting, it said, for the consolation. That word means um, a, a person or thing offering, offering comfort to a person who has suffered. Consolation means comfort. Yeah, he was waiting for the consolation or the comfort to come to Israel. Israel was hurting. The nation was hurting. They were under the, the thumb of the Roman government and under King Herod who was cruel and, and greedy. And, and they were suffering. Their times were hard. Things were bad. And they needed some consolation. They needed some comfort. I dare say that there's probably more than half of the people that are in this room today that need some consolation this Christmas season. You know, it's interesting to know that during the Christmas season that it's one of the highest times for depression that, that runs through, it even suicides and different things throughout this particular season because people have such expectations in other things and they're so greatly disappointed or that they are disappointed that they think that maybe this could never happen and so they get disappointed. I'll never forget, Sandy and I had uh, been married just a little over a year and it was on a Christmas season that we got the word, the call one night that her father had uh, committed suicide in a church fellowship hall. So depressed, so distraught, so disappointed. He needed comfort, he needed consolation, but obviously he felt that he couldn't, that he couldn't find that consolation in anything around him. And he wasn't waiting for the Messiah, he wasn't waiting for Christmas. He checked out early. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Waiting. What are you waiting on? What is your, where is your expectation? Your expectation, if your expectation is in anything other than the Messiah, the Son, then you're going to fall short. There's a lot of people that, that auction that we read about that were very disappointed because they didn't get what they were expecting. We put our expectation in all kinds of things and all kinds of people, and we get hurt. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I remember as a kid, you know, it's, Christmas time is hard for kids because it's always waiting time, right? I don't know about you, but I, I was always sneaking around trying to see if I could figure out the shape, the size of the package. I'd shake it, you know, see if I could get My mom and I, we'd go through this guessing game, and I'd see if I could outguess her. I think she took a lot of presents back because I guessed what they were, so she took them back and got something else. <laughs> Boy, I remember when I was about 10 years old, uh, there was this, or maybe, I don't know, 
how somewhere around through there, maybe 11 or something like that, that a new bicycle had come out, a Stingray. How I many of you remember the Stingray bicycles? You know, well, they hit the scene. Everybody had a Stingray bicycle. And I wanted a bicycle. And that's what I, you know, well, I was saying, I want a bicycle. I'm expecting a Stingray bicycle. I'll never forget that Christmas morning when I ran downstairs and I looked, and there under the tree was a bicycle. But it wasn't a Stingray bicycle. It was one of them big old things. Had a headlight on it, actually had a tail light on it. Uh, my sister, my oldest sister, she still laughs to this day about that. She, obviously, she saw my face. <laughs> there was some disappointment on my face because I didn't get what I was expecting. Have any of you ever gone through that? That that wasn't quite what you were expecting. Maybe it's a letdown. Waiting for Christmas. Expectation builds. You know, till that time to unwrap that present and find out what it is. If we can transfer that over and put all of our expectation in the Lord. David said, the psalmist David said, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation comes from him. You know, if your mind, your will, your expectation is all on God, nothing else can disappoint you. Everything else is just second to that. You'll not be disappointed because your expectation is in God. Waiting on him. Waiting for Christmas. You know, there, as we see Simeon, he was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for that comfort, needing the comfort. But he wasn't looking for some army to come in, not some commander of some natural army. He had his focus right. You see, a lot of the disciples, they were even dis disappointed. Like, Lord, will you at this time, you know, deliver us? You know, will you set up your kingdom? And they were expecting some military thing. I believe Judas was very disappointed and had a lot to do with him uh, rebelling and, and, um, and betraying the Lord, thinking maybe he would push the right buttons and, and make the Messiah be this king of kings and lord of lords to put, the, uh, put down this Roman rule and take his rightful position, their expectation was somewhere else. It wasn't in, in the Lord. What are you expecting? What will comfort you? Where are you looking for your comfort? For that relationship to be restored? Wouldn't that be great? But you know what? If God can't do it, you sure can't do it. So we have to put our expectation in him first and foremost. You know, again, uh, in verse 26 there in Luke chapter 2, it shows us that Simeon had a, had a good reason uh, for his hope and his anticipation. It says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow. And he held on to that for years and years and years. He was, he was waiting. He was waiting for that Christmas, if you will. He was ready to welcome the Messiah. What a way to live. Every day, every day, is it, will it be today? Will it be today? Will it be today? With ready to welcome the Messiah. What a way to live. I challenge you to have a Christmas every day of your life. Have that, that expectation that the Messiah is here. He has come every day. Let him show up. And I believe he will. Who is he in your life? So he was expecting and he focused on the consolation, the comfort that, uh, that Christ would bring. Uh, you know, the, he was looking for a comforting Messiah, not something else to comfort him. You know, the desire to uh, be comforted, I, I believe, is universal. 
And so we all need this. You know, Christian mentioned a while ago how many different countries that this message is going into. So I have no doubt today that wherever uh, and whoever is listening to this message today, there's people that need comfort. And I have some good news today. The Messiah, the comforting Messiah has come and he's coming and he will come every day in your life as you put your expectation in him. And so, you know, it's interesting there in verse 28, I see it, it says that Simon, uh, Simeon reached down and, and he took Jesus, the, uh, the baby, out of uh, Mary's arms and he began to praise God. Now, parents, think about that. Here you go. You're going to church the, maybe the first time with your newborn baby and you're going up to get him dedicated and you're walking in and here comes this old man that you probably already think is kind of weird. And he grabs the baby out of your arms, <laughs> and he starts to sing. <laughs> you know, uh oh, you know, how are we going to get the baby back? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, how do you think Joseph and Mary felt about that? Well, perhaps they saw the Holy Spirit upon him. You know, that day. But uh, you know, as he broke out into praise, you know, he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled. Uh, the individual promise to him but also to the nation of Israel and he was overjoyed and he began to magnify the Lord and lift him up oh, I'll tell you I bet they had church in the synagogue that day amen Simeon was uh, waiting for the Messiah waiting for Christmas what are you waiting for then we see Anna you know, Anna was, uh, was waiting to be rescued. It says that she was waiting for redemption, the redemption to come. Redemption, the redeemer, the rescuer, the deliverer, the one that sets free, the one that saves and delivers. She was waiting for the redeeming Messiah. You know, it tells us that her husband had died and she had dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. And it says there, uh, there in verse 37, that she never left the temple but worshiped day and night. Hello. Wow. Never left the temple but worshiped day and night. And she was in, in her 80s at the, at the, around this particular time, some writers say. And she was looking forward, though, to the Messiah. You know what got her going every second of the day in that temple? Why she could stay there and, and fast and pray every day, every week, every month, every year? Because she was waiting for the Messiah, waiting to welcome the Messiah. She welcomed him every day in her praise and in her prayers. And she was ready to welcome him face to face. Wouldn't it be awesome for Jesus to come this Christmas season, literally for him to come and to catch us away. Wow. Where's your expectation? How about expecting that? You know, instead of looking so much for comfort, Anna was looking for redemption. And uh, this redemption, it says there in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Wow. Redemption to buy out of, to take out of the slave market. You know, that nation of Israel was, in a sense, slaves. They were slaves to, to the Roman Empire. And again, Herod was oppressing them. And, and, uh, and so she was looking for the one that would come and, and save them, redeem them. You know, their Old Testament pass, Passover, as they looked back, they remembered that they were redeemed out of slavery, out of Egypt. And they were looking forward to a new Passover, which means that they would be redeemed and they would be rescued from sin, the, that uh, bondage of, of slave to, slavery to sin. And so when she saw the Messiah, she said, we've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. 
Praise God, I've been redeemed. She began to have a Holy Ghost service right there. And, uh, you know, she, when, when she saw Jesus, she, it says that she gave thanks to God and she spoke of him to all who were waiting for this redemption. Wow. Here at last uh, was the one who would save his people from uh, all their sins. I want to tell you something, that, that same Messiah, that same Jesus uh, is ready to save us today from our sins those that have never received him, to save them. Uh, and those that are walking with him but falling or, or felt, feel uh, trapped or, or feel like that something's holding them back, is the time to be set free. Let the deliverer set you free. She was looking for the deliverer, the Savior to come. Are you looking for the deliverer, the Savior to come? She was waiting for salvation. She was waiting for deliverance. The, the Greek word for salvation is, is the Greek word sozo, which means uh, whole, delivered, completely whole, healed. Healing is in that. Are you, maybe in your body you're experiencing sickness. Are you waiting for the Messiah? Are you waiting for Christmas? You know, for that to happen, what a better, you know, can you think of a better gift than that? When Jesus came, he provided uh, the very things that Simeon and, and Anna had been expecting. Let me tell you, when he shows up, he shows up with that ex where you are where believing. You see, expectation believes that that's what he's going to do. You know, if we ask the Father anything, he said, in my name, he'll give it you. you know, if we, if we uh, pray and then if we believe, he said, those things are going to happen. They were, they were walking daily with expectation, with belief, believing. Where's your believing? Sometimes, you know, we just think, well, this is going to, this Christmas, maybe it, it'll all come together. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, that it puts more pressure on you because things don't look like that they're coming together at Christmas. You think, oh, my goodness. And, you know, we have this, these little pictures of how everything's supposed to be at Christmas time. The Norman Rockwell uh, or, uh, paintings, you know, that hang on the wall uh, are, and, and that we see that this perfect little setting and we think, that's what I want. And then when we can't hit that, we think, what's wrong with me? And we begin to just feel so depressed again. Here we go, you know. Well, you know, the reality is that there's no, no family is perfect. There's not a perfect person there's not a perfect family the only one that's perfect is the messiah and that's where we need to put our expectation is in him some of you today are really hurting and uh, you feel lonely you feel empty maybe you feel afraid maybe you feel maxed out maybe this christmas you've just been you know so you know, running here running there trying to get things done and you just feel frazzled let me tell you wait a minute just slow down just a little bit do you need some comfort do you need a little bit of uh, freedom? Do you need someone to set you free to bring some peace? The, the Prince of Peace is coming. He can come right now into your life. You know, if so, you can find what you're looking for in Jesus. In Jesus. He came to console us right where we are. He didn't come in some high palace or lofty palace somewhere far away. He came right in the midst of where the people were, in a stable, in that town, in Bethlehem, where all the crowds were. He came right to where they were. He knows where you are, and he's, he can come right to where you are, and he can bring that salvation, that deliverance, that healing, that wholeness, that comfort to you. You know, uh, there's some other things that, that we can notice out of this, 
that I noticed out of this passage of Scripture that Simeon and Anna really portrayed that we need to portray in this. As we are waiting for Christmas, we ought to do, there's three things that ought to manifest in our lives. First of all, we ought to become a marveler. What's a marveler? That's not of the Marvel comic. That's not an action hero or something like that, okay? A marveler is one of us, one who marvels at him. You know, when Joseph and Mary tried to uh, possess everything or, or to process all the stuff that was going on that particular time, in verse 33, it says that they marveled at what was said about Jesus. They marveled at what was said about Jesus. Do you still marvel at what is said about Jesus? It still amazes me every day when I think about it. Think about it uh, happening. It, I marvel at what Jesus can do. Hallelujah. You know, according to the dictionary, uh, to become a marveler is to be filled with wonder, be filled with astonishment. And where is that today? Where is the wonder and the astonishment in our life? We ought to get a fresh, new uh, astonishment of Jesus every day of our life. And that's what was happening in, with Simeon and with Anna every day. They, were, they became a marveler. And I challenge you to let that happen in your life as we wait for Christmas in this time, this season, this waiting process. Be a marveler and let everybody see you praising God in the midst of the crowds, wherever you are. You know? You, can, you take him with you everywhere you go. And you need to take an inventory of your life and ask yourself your, this question. Wherever you are, am I a marveler this Christmas? Can people see that I'm still astonished at Jesus and what he can do? Or are you too caught up in the busyness uh, uh, and the, the stress of the season? And is everybody seeing all the stress and all that coming out in you? Or do they see the astonishment that you can portray because Jesus is alive every day? You know, have you been running around because of the holidays? Or are you excited because it's a holy day? You know, I said, this, this Christmas, it's not a Christmas holiday. It's a Christmas holy day. <laughs> you know, because it falls on Sunday. It's going to be a double time of blessing and a time to just rejoice in him. Has Christmas become too predictable? You know, too familiar that you're not astonished anymore? That, that of what happened at that, at that time? You know, maybe you've heard the Christmas story so much that it just no longer astonishes you. There might be people, I was thinking about church and people, are you really having church on Sunday morning? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Because they're thinking, well, I guess we'll hear the same old Christmas story and sing the same old Christmas songs in the same old way. Well, you know what? Get out of your same old attitude and put on a marvelous attitude to marvel at Jesus. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell you what, there's sometimes that I can sing one of the old songs and get more out of it than a new song because I'm not having to pay attention to the words and stuff. I just, you know, I got that one down. Take a look in verse 27. So we go from a marveler to this next thing that we need to be portraying in this season, and that is to become a mover. We become a marveler while we're waiting for Christmas. We ought to become a mover. In verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now drop down to verse 38. It says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. Now both Simeon and Anna, not only were they, mar were they marvelers, but they were movers. And when the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they didn't stay still. They moved. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they moved. Are you a mover? 
Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he tells you to move? You know, you might be out Christmas shopping. You don't have to be caught up in the frustration. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit might move upon you to share something with somebody. I don't know. We need to be sensitive. It says at that very moment, uh, she, she came up to them. Wow. It's amazing how even with Simeon, how that the Holy Spirit at that particular time, on that particular day, in that particular place, God, the Holy Spirit directed him there when he would see the Messiah. You know, I wonder what would have happened if they hadn't responded, if they hadn't been movers. Like, you know, well, I've been doing this all these years and it hadn't happened yet, so why would it happen today? You know, you can, you can live in victory every day of your life and you get up the next day and you might say, you know what, I'm tired of living in victory. I've lived in victory and I've been excited, but I, I've been excited for nothing because I haven't seen it happen. Really? Really? There's been times when the devil tried to tell me that and I think, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I start agreeing with the devil before I know what I'm doing. And I get, then I say, wait a minute. I remember when. And I think about the children of Israel, how they used to go, I remember when God, God is the one that delivered us out of the hands of the Egyptians. He's the one that parted the Red Sea. He's the one, and they start going back and talking about what he did so that they're reminded that, hey, you know what? Wait a minute. Today I got to be a mover too. Yeah, I've been moving for all these years. I got to move today. Amen? Sometimes it gets hard. Can you imagine Simeon and Anna after all these years? See, God hadn't spoken to Israel for 400 years. Almost. Wow. And we think it's been a drought around here. But every day, these two people, man, they went to the temple. And Anna was there day and night to marvel at the Messiah and to be moved by the Holy Spirit, whatever he told him to do. You know, actually, you know, every, every one of the people in the Christmas story, the, 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 the drama of the Christmas story, uh, responded to the Spirit's leading with the exception of Herod. Um, Mary was ready to move when she heard the angel say, may it be to me as you have said. Uh, I jotted down some things here. Joseph, he demonstrated that that he was a mover when he woke up from that dream and he says, uh, and he, it says, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. He moved when the Holy Spirit told him to move. The shepherds were movers as well. Uh, it says there in Luke 2.15, they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. You know, and the wise man, we know that they... They were moved, they saw a star and they moved out of their comfort zone and they moved to find the king of Christmas, the Messiah, the promised one. When God prompts you to do something, you need to move and marvel that he's speaking to you. We need to be marvelers, we need to be movers. You know, it might seem like, well, I haven't heard anything from the Lord for a long time. Well, then you know what? You're closer to hearing what he's going to say now than you were yesterday. You're one day closer. Amen? One day closer. You know, maybe you're going through a desert time, a desert season, but that's okay because if you go into it, you've got to come out of it. That's why we're going through this thing. You know, not stopping. My dad used to say, if you catch hell, don't hold it. <laughs> And then another saying, he'd say, if you go through hell, don't stop, you know. I remember hearing him say that. Like, hey, you know what? 
I guess that's right. I didn't understand that completely when I was just a child, but I understand that more as, as an adult because I think I've gone through hell, but I didn't want to stop. Amen. You just keep on going. You go through some things, but you know what? You move, and when the Holy Spirit directs you, you continue to move. Don't stop. You know, maybe the Holy Spirit might, uh, might mean that this is the day that you need to get saved. Maybe you've heard about the Savior and you've, you've heard it all your life, but you've never really made a commitment. to the, You've never received the Messiah. You've never received the Son of God, the Son of the living God. You've never received him. You don't really know for sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Today's the day that you need to move toward him. You know, uh, it might mean today is the day that you need to move towards full surrender. Maybe you've just kind of been giving God the leftovers. You know, you know and I, I, okay, God, I'm... I, I, I'm glad I'm saved, but I got a lot of things I got to do first. You know, hope you don't come back yet because I got some things I got to finish. Ooh, you ever lived like that? I remember telling the Lord, okay, yeah, I'm excited. and I'm excited for you to come. Just don't come today. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I want to see you, but I don't want to see you today because <laughs> uh, I got some more things to do. Whoa, wait a minute. No, I, I want to see him right now. I want to see him right now. Maybe this is the day that you need to move closer to him, a closer walk with him. And you're like, be a wise man. Step out of your comfort zone and move toward him. You need to follow the star. You need to see him today. And when God prompts you to do something, you need to do it. You know, it could be that maybe the Holy Spirit wants you to get more involved, move, and get more involved in serving people. You know, that's what he calls us to do. Then you need to do it. Um, you know, do you sense that he's asking you to do something today? Is he prompting you? You know, sometimes we wonder, well, I don't know why God doesn't speak to me very much. Well, maybe you haven't been obedient to what he has said to you. He said if we're faithful over a few things, he'll make you rule over many things. If you can't do this, why should he tell you to do something else? It's not like, you know, he sends something for you to do and you look at it and say, okay, no, you got something else? <laughs> Wait a minute, we didn't, we didn't choose him. We're not serving, you know, he's not serving us. We're serving him. And we ought to be like what Mary told you know, the guests at that wedding of Cain of Galilee. She says, whatever he says to you to do, do it. When Jesus told them to go and get the pots and fill them up with water, and they're like, what are you talking about? She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. We need to hear that today. Whatever he tells you to do, we need to do it. Are you a mover? Are you willing to move? Be a marveler. As we wait for Christmas, as we wait for him and to show up, you know, we shouldn't just sit back. Well, I'm waiting for Jesus. When he comes, I don't know if he's going to get here. Oh, my goodness. Boy, you think anybody around you is going to want to be waiting for him too? Get that kind of attitude? You know, and as you're waiting for the next thing he's going to do, you shouldn't, he shouldn't have to do something for you to get excited. You know, faith gets excited before it sees things happening. That's what believing is all about. That's what expecting is all about, expecting that I've received it before I've even seen it. And that's what Simeon and Anna, I wanted to pick out somebody that we hadn't talked about in Christmas story. How many of you have heard a Christmas story, Christmas message on Simeon and Anna? See what you get when you come to church. <laughs> Something that you hadn't got before, amen? <laughs> so, you know, so they were, they were marvelers and they were movers. And, uh, you know, it says that... Um, as it goes on down through there, it tells one more thing that they were. They were not, not only were they marvelers, not only were they movers, but they become 
messengers for him. That's what we need to do while we're waiting. While we're waiting on him is to become a messenger. You know, it, you know we work at becoming marvelers, and, and here's how this thing goes. And then we can't help but becoming movers. If you begin to marvel at him, that will stimulate your belief and your expectation in him, and then you will move for him. And then as you move for him, you, come, you become a messenger for him. In the things that you do, in your actions and your words, you become a messenger. How you live tells everybody about what you believe. Some of you might have co-workers who say, oh, they're a Christian, they're a Christian. And you say, oh, yeah, you should have seen them at the Christmas office party. They had to call Uber to get them home. I don't know if they have Uber in Iran and in Russia. That's a taxi. You know, how you live speaks louder than what you say. And you know, there's that old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, if you are moving and caring for people and doing things, people see that in your life. They see the reality. You, you know, there's that old saying, you can fool most of the people most of the time, some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God. The thing about it is, thinking that you can fool most of the people most, that's not everybody. People know what you're doing. How many know that? That some people think they're fooling you, but you say, oh, I really know what they're doing. I know what's, I know what's up in their life. They ain't fooling nobody, but they th they're only fooling themselves, right? And, and 1 John says, he who has, says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. Don't become one of those type of people. Don't become that kind of messenger. Become the messenger of joy. And when you're a marveler, when you marvel at Jesus, when you're astonished every day of what he does, when he's new every morning and you begin to move, you're moved by the Holy Spirit. Then you become a messenger. Wow, you know, all it takes is for the Lord to say, hey, stop by so-and-so's cubicle there and just lean in and say, hey, I've been praying for you. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to do that, and as you do that, you know what you're, you're becoming? Now you're becoming a messenger. A messenger. And that person says, maybe the Lord did hear my prayer. I was praying for someone to care. I just didn't feel like anybody cared about me. You know, there's a lot of people going through a lot of difficult times. What can you be doing as you're waiting for Christmas rather than just waiting for that day to come? Be a marveler, be a mover, be a messenger. Somebody somewhere needs you to be that type of person. So, you know, in verse 38, as we see here that in verse 38 it says, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I like what Eddie Hammond, uh, he, where he works, and there's been some things come back that not to, you know, it's supposed to be happy holidays and, and different things like that, and he says that he still goes out and he puts up a big sign, Merry Christmas or Happy Birthday Jesus or something like that. You know, keep Christ in Christmas. It's not Xmas, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, it, and it's not happy holidays. You know, you'd have to include Thanksgiving, you know, and and. And Christmas and New Year's and all that. That's the holidays. Well, great. But, you know, we're waiting for Christmas. Don't, don't, be, don't let them fool you. That, that's what they're looking for. You barely get through the, the store at, at Halloween time and they are already got Christmas decorations up. Don't tell me that the stores and everybody around is not waiting for Christmas. So it's Christmas, not holidays. Amen. And we ought to be a messenger about it. Wear a shirt that says Merry Christmas <laughs> or Happy Birthday Jesus. Wear an ugly sweater that says Happy Birthday Jesus. You know? 
make a, you know, something. Put your face on it, maybe. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> and do you have family and friends who've been caught up with just the preparation of Christmas, but yet they forgot what it's all about? You don't have to be judgmental. Don't ever be judgmental. John 3, 17 said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Be a messenger. Be a messenger. And let, you know, somehow let that be known. It amazes me people get out. And I love Christmas decorations. And you know, I wish that there was a way to talk about the drama, something I've always wanted to do. I wanted to do a, like a living nativity scene where we could drive in and drive around, have little stations, you know, and all this. Let me tell you something. You know, our, my son took his daughter down to Moody Gardens last night. He said, it was ridiculous. He said, you stand in line, stand in line. He said, you can't even hardly see anything because you're standing in line. You don't think people come out to see Christmas lights and, and Christmas decorations? Yes, they do. But they're all caught up in that. You know what? I think it'd be cool if somehow we could go about doing that. But that's pretty expensive building all those props around. But you know what? We ought to be a messenger somehow. So you yourself, take it upon yourself to somehow or another be a living messenger of this wonderful season that we're living in, the birthday of Jesus. You know, somehow every day you ought to come, oh, I'm looking for the birthday of Jesus. <laughs> and I can't wait. It's, oh, it's 10 more days till the birthday of Jesus. <laughs> it's it's. Eight more days till the birthday of Jesus. You know, hey, somehow it's going to come out. Hmm, I don't know if that works or not, but something to think about. You know, maybe that person that you see that's all caught up in the preparations and stuff, and then you see their sorrow and their sadness and everything, maybe that's really evidencing how they feel inside that they're lonely and that they're hurting and that they really need that comforting Messiah, that redeeming Messiah, that delivering Messiah. They need him so you can be a magnifier of him and you can be moved by him to go to that person and be a messenger for that comforting Messiah, for the redeemer in their life, to redeem them and help them get out of that situation that they're in. He wants each one of us to become a messenger of the Christmas story. That's what this season is all about. So let me ask you, are you waiting for Christmas? Are you just kind of in a holding pattern, just waiting? Well, you know, can't wait because I get two days off or I get one day off. I get, they give me Christmas off. Can you believe that? Well, if you're working the other days, then you know what? Take Christmas with you. <laughs> Take Christmas with you. Do something to be a messenger. You know, what are you waiting for? What are you expecting? Where are you today? Are you discouraged? Are you disappointed? Is your life so filled with that void that, that you just feel so empty because you look around at this season and you think of what it might should be and you think of what it's not in your life? Don't listen to what the devil tells you. Why don't you just begin to look to him and marvel and be astonished that he is the good shepherd, that he comes to you. He's the counselor, mighty God. He's the prince of peace. Amen. And he can come and bring peace to you right there in the midst of your storm that you're going through. He can come and he can bring light into your darkness. He can bring comfort to your soul. Peace on earth. Goodwill to men. What is that supposed to mean? That's what it means. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He is Emmanuel. God with us, not God away from us. Amen. Somebody ought, that's a good place to say amen. Emmanuel. Wonderful counselor, 
You feel the astonishment, the marvel in it? Wonderful counselor, prince of peace, almighty God. Wow. You ought to sing that every morning when you get up until you believe it. Until you become a messenger of him. And then when somebody comes and says, you know, how can you be so happy? And they begin to pour out their heart. You just wrap your arms around them and weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And say, you know, because my hope isn't in a season or in a day. My hope is in the in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the one who changed everything and who changed me. And he can change you and he can change your circumstance. He's a good God. He loves you. And he wants you to marvel at what he wants to do. He wants you to move when he speaks to you to move. And he wants you to be a messenger of who he is. Let's bow our heads this morning. Hallelujah. Do you need comfort this morning? Do you need consolation? Maybe redemption. Freedom. You need salvation. Healing wholeness, deliverance. What is it that you need? Where is your expectation for your needs? Have you given up all hope? Have you given up your expectation? And you just say, you know, that's just, this is just the way that it is. When Anna's husband died and she was left as a widow, no provision to come in for her, or anything, she says, you know what? Then I'll use this as an opportunity to worship my God day and night. <laughs> she turned things around, turned her night into day. Let me tell you, when you take a first step, he takes two. He's always right there with you. It might seem like you can't see the end of the tunnel, but I want to tell you something. You don't have to see the end of the tunnel. All you have to do is feel the hand of the Lord right next to you as you walk through it. He is the light of the world. You don't have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just see him who is light. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despised the shame. Oh man, he turned it around. He said, you know what, this is tough. This is a tough day, but it's a good day because this is the day that salvation comes to the world. Wow, it's never too bad that you can't marvel and be astonished at who God is. You're never too far from God that the Holy Spirit can't move upon you and draw you, so move when he says move. There's a world out there. Somebody is somewhere who needs a message from Almighty, from the Messiah, the good news. Be that message. You talk about bringing some joy into your life. When you become a messenger and that person gets excited, man, you can't help from getting excited. If that don't... Light your fire, your wood's wet. I mean, you ought to get excited about that, that you can be a messenger of Almighty God. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. Joy to the world. That's why we ought to get excited. 
Where are you this Christmas? You know, I want you to remember something. Christmas splits people into two camps. You know, the, the word says there that because he's come, he comes. He's the rising and the falling of all. Since he has come, he's the rising and he's also the falling. Since he entered the world, he's divided mankind. There's either You're either for him or you're against him. Because of who Jesus is and what he came to do. You know, he forces people to make a decision about him. And that's what it's about today is make a decision about him today. You know, he's either the rock that you build your life upon, the rising, or he's the rock that you break yourself against or you stumble over the falling. You can't stay neutral about Jesus. So if you came today thinking you just come to church, let me tell you something. At Light Christian Center, you're going to be faced with a decision with the question of where are you with Jesus? Choose you this day whom you will serve. I remember before we had our walls completed, we first bought this building at an auction. And I was praying, I was walking, and the Lord was impressing upon me a message. And I said, Lord, that's a tough message. That's a hard message. When, you, when people have to choose like that, that's a hard message. And, and Lord, it's just it's tough. And he said, I didn't call you to preach convenience. I called you to preach commitment. And I want to tell you something. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. You know, we got to make a decision every day. Who am I going to serve? Am I going to serve me? Am I going to serve me today? Get mad because everybody isn't, you know, loving on me. And everybody didn't do it my way. And so now I'm going to be mad because at that person, that person. Before you know it, you're just mad at everybody. You're mad at the world. And pretty soon the world's going to be mad at you. If that's your attitude. But when you choose to serve him and let him live through you, you're going to be amazed at how much easier this life is. So you're either for Jesus or against him. I don't know where you are today, but you need to make that decision. You're either waiting for him, expecting him, or you're waiting for something else or someone or something to change your situation. And nothing in this world can ever bring you complete happiness. You can't buy it. It'll wear out eventually. It might smell good when you first buy it, but it'll start to stink pretty soon. And you'll be disappointed. Some of the most disappointed people are people that had plenty of money and tried to buy their way to happiness. You know that. You've heard this. People, it's true. You're either moving closer to him or you're moving further away from him. You see? He's the rising and the falling. Where are you today with your life with Jesus? You either have the son or you don't have the son. become marvelers the wonder of Christmas will just show in us and shine out of us and it will astonish us of how good God is the simple things the little things it's like that man with all the million dollars worth of art the thing that became most precious to him was the thing that was least expensive 
but it, he valued it because he knew what really meant something to him his son what do you value today you know as we begin to be astonished by him we ought to be moved out of our complacency and our apathy to do something see a need and meet it find a hurt and heal it begin to do that when we, we become a mover and we, we go out to meet a need then you know what blessings follow us and our needs are met he said I, he, he will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory when I become a mover for him and I help meet needs in front of me and other people's lives my needs are being met behind me it's amazing how and see now then you marvel again at how that even happens how it even works and then you become a messenger about those things that you marvel at and you can meet more needs as we take our role as messengers seriously realize that he's called us to be messengers of him you know we'll be in a position to introduce others to to the Christ of Christmas and then they can in turn discover what they've really been waiting for People think they're waiting for this or that or whatever, and then they're disappointed. But when they discover Jesus, when they get the sun, they get it all. <laughs> when you take the sun, you get it all. And that's really this message in a nutshell that Christmas is a marvelous, moving message about the Son of God, the Messiah. Now can we not find what we're looking for in him where are you today do you have the son the messiah is that where your expectation is if you're here today and you've never made a decision for christ for eternity you've never received the son as your lord and savior to check that out see if you have doubts about where you're going to spend eternity if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity then maybe you might want to get get it right if you have question marks about where you're going to spend eternity you know what then how about today say I want to receive the son the Messiah Jesus the Savior is anybody here today you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity you're not sure that you're a child of God you're not sure that you've received him today if that's you right where you are nobody looking around just raise your hand up and say pastor will you pray for me maybe somebody's hearing this message played back a podcast or whatever the Holy Spirit is present right now that if you receive Jesus he'll set you free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord then he says that he'll, you will be saved if you've done that if you say you know pastor I am sure today that I'm a child of God just raise your hand up as a marveler of Jesus that he would even save someone like you and me amen now with your hands down and your heads bowed let me ask you where are you today are you letting him have your life are you full of disappointment because you put your expectation in something or someone other than him if you are I challenge you today to take the son receive the son like that story said, whoever takes the sun gets it all. 
So right now in your area of your life, your emptiness, your disappointment, your pain, your hurt, if you will let him come in right now in that area, he's the healer, he's the provider, he's the counselor, he's the mighty God. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. He's a mighty warrior. He's an on-time God. Just raise your hand and say, Lord Jesus, I, I'm expecting you right now in that area of my life where there's been disappointment, where I've been disappointed, where there's a void, I'm receiving you. And I marvel right now about what you're going to do. Amen. Amen. And let me tell you, once you have the Son, you have everything. You have it all. Can you stand with me this morning? Let's pray. Take the hand of the person next to you this morning. Can we pray for our brothers and sisters in Iran? Wow. You know, the Bible uh, calls Iran Edom. And there's only one other place that the Bible says that God's going to build his throne. It's going to be in Jerusalem. The only other place in the Bible where it says that he will build his throne is in that land of Edom. That's amazing. I saw a, a special on the believers in Iran. That they're powerful. They get a lot of opposition. You got to be a powerful Christian. You get that kind of opposition. ISIS is killing Christians at tremendous numbers. Christians are being persecuted all around the world. No wonder people are searching out, maybe on their, you know, on their iPhone, iPod, putting head headphones on listening to a podcast of some preacher in Texas talking about the good news of Jesus because they got to hear it and they're afraid somebody else might hear them listening to that and they'll be killed when we were in India there was a little driver those little three-wheel things you know and our missionaries that are over there then Jerry and Mary uh, they'd been witnessing to him and we were praying with him and and he was excited he'd come and learn more about Jesus and and they had an anti-conversion law there you could it was against the law to have you know to witness and convert people to Jesus so you just talk about how good he is to you and different things and he was coming and listening and after we'd got back from listening to from visiting with them about three months later they'd sent a uh, uh, letter that said and they named him and they said you know he was found dead in the alley he was beaten to death and it was because he was becoming a Christian wow you see people we ought to marvel at the Lord and what we have and how good he is so today let's pray for those that are around the world that maybe they're not quite having we think we got it rough we think we might have, be having a tough Christmas but I'll tell you something there's some Christians that are having some tough times. And maybe they haven't had their Christmas in, in secret because of, of the threat of, of death to their, their children, to their family. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine huddling around with your family, thinking at any time that the door might get kicked in, you'd be drugged out in the street and, and executed? See your, your children killed in front of you? We don't hear that much about it, but it's happening today. It's happening. Father, today as we join together, we join together to thank you for your wonderful gift of salvation that you've given to us. Thank you for the good things in our life. We praise you for the little things. We marvel at the big things. And Lord, we take this opportunity today to just pray for all 
of the body of Christ, the members of the body of Christ around the world, those that are going through difficult times, that are having opposition and threats, those that have been, you know, their family members have been killed in front of their eyes and, and they're feeling some pain and some loneliness, that they would maybe hear this and know that they're not alone. There's some people in Alvin, Texas that are praying for them. That you would strengthen them and encourage them, undergird them. Uphold them with your righteous right hand. Show yourself strong to them. Father, help us to never take for granted the wonder of salvation that you have given to us. Help us never to be satisfied to the sense of complacency and apathy. That every day should be a new day. And Father, if we think that we don't have anything to pray about, let us then open up the doors of our heart, widen our perspective, and pray for those that are around the world that are going through difficult times. Father, thank you for the doors that you're opening with the broadcast. Totally amazes me. Father, thank you for Christian that had this vision. Lord, expand that now. Lord, bless this people. Lord, and let us go out to be a marveler of you, astonished at your goodness, moved by the Holy Spirit to be a messenger of light, to bring about the good news into those that, that, will, that we come in contact with. Father, we give you praise today and thank you for this now. In Jesus' name.